Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. The joint national listenership figures were out yesterday. They come out every three months and they give us an indication of how we are doing. Can I say thank you to all of our listeners here to the programme to, to Cork today. Always great to have you along. But tributes have been paid to the broadcaster Marion Finucane because obviously she was included in the last set of uh, figures because these would be the figures that would have been covered for the last three months of 2019. So it would have been October, November and December when Marion Finucane was on uh, air and it shows that her listenership figures had been growing. I think the, her Sunday show was the third most listened to programme in in the whole of RTE. You know, I mean, she was... And I remember after she died, reading, you know, there was so much column inches written about her, but one of her friends in radio had said how nervous she used to be coming up to the listenership figures every three months and I was thought my God for somebody like Marion Finucane that she would even be worried about it but she was she's the same as the rest of us she worried about them uh, as well so lovely tributes being paid uh, to her as it showed an increase in her in her show, particularly in her Sunday uh, show. And I want to give a big, big up to our own C103's Cork Sports Sunday presented every week by uh, Rory Burke. Would you believe that that show has the biggest audience of any programme on any radio station in Cork. Rory is knocking it out of the park uh, every Sunday. 73,000 listeners. It's incredible. So I just want to give a big high five to Rory Burke and the rest of the team. And I know if Rory was with us, he would be saying there's a lot of people involved in that show. In particular, kudos must go to Michael Scanlon, head of sports here at C103. And he in turn then will say it's the team he has around him and all the, the various commentators and people who contribute to the show. But it's it's incredible to think that that one sports show is the biggest audience of any programme on any radio station here in Cork. It just shows, I think, us uh, here in Cork, we have a great love of sports, do we not? So congratulations to Michael Scannon, Rory Burke and the rest of the crew. Now, coming up on the programme this morning, a suggestion from Galway County Council to introduce random drug tests in secondary schools and in sports clubs. Now, the thought pattern behind this, we have too many young people. And when I'm talking about young people, I'm talking about teenagers still at school who are getting involved in drugs. And the danger is if they go, if they start taking drugs at a very young age, that by the time they leave school, and then head off into college. Some, I'm not saying all, but some can already be addicted to drugs. So we need to get in there and we need to get in there early. 
And we need to give these young people a wake-up call. And I'm wondering, is this just the kind of wake-up call that they would need? I wonder how many young people would consider smoking a joint or having a line of cocaine on a Saturday night if they thought there was a chance on Monday morning that the principal might call them into the office to say we're doing you've been selected for a random drug test because it would still be obviously in their system on Monday morning. I wonder would it act as a deterrent. We're going to hear from Galway County Council about this suggestion and you know if it goes ahead is it something we should follow suit on here in Cork. 1850 Your thoughts welcomed on that. And just on young people and drug taking and people drinking too much. UCC's Rag Week is taking place right across next week. It kicks off on Monday. And the Gardaí are warning students to be mindful of residents in the college area. Also to be mindful of the intake of drink and I'm assuming the intake of drugs as well. The Gardaí are warning students and young uh, people uh, particularly also, I I should have read the next line, they're warning about the dangers of taking drugs as well. And Sergeant Michael O'Connell is a community policing is with the community policing unit at Anglesey's Garda station and he was speaking yesterday to our senior news reporter Fiona Corcoran. I suppose um, the most important thing is that we encourage them to enjoy themselves but to behave and to be very conscious of the local residents in the area um, and when they're out celebrating and having fun that they're conscious that there's elderly people living in the vicinity and just to be aware of their needs and requirements. It's their area too. It's actually an offence to drink in public in Cork City. It's a Cork City bylaw uh, so if you're found with a can or a bottle of beer that's open, then uh, your details are taken and you're issued with a fine on the spot of €75. Euros. And last year we had quite a number of fines during the course of uh, Raise and Give Week. And that was just from people drinking on the street, was it? That's correct, yeah. Uh, just a simple thing of drinking from a bottle of beer or a bottle of um, alcohol pops, anything like that. Yeah, you can be fined for that. If you're carrying the beer and it's closed, then there's no problem. If you bring it from one place to another. But if it's opened, we can seize it and take it away and you'll get a fine in the spot in the post. And, you know, if that's fine that they get a fine if they're caught drinking, but I suppose if the offence is a little bit more serious, what would be the consequences of that to a person? Well, this year, um, Fiona, we're taking a proactive um, approach to it, so people will be arrested um, and brought before the courts um, if, we, if we feel that they're a danger to themselves or to others. So if they're intoxicated to such an extent that they could cause danger to themselves or to other people, we will be arresting them and bring him um, before the courts. So um, it's probably just, we want people to enjoy themselves, but if it gets out of hand, we have the powers to arrest people under the Public Order Act. And if they are brought to court and are convicted of a crime, what would be the consequences of that then? Well, I suppose um, if it's a first offence, they may get the Probation Act. Um, They can be fined again. It's a considerable fine. For a public order offence, if if these things escalate into assaults, then yes, if you get a Section 2 assault or a more serious assault, then yes, if you have a conviction, it it could affect you for a visa or travelling to America with your J1 um, during your summer break. I think a big part of the Gardaí's campaign was to raise awareness of drug taking. Yeah, um, a few of the community guards have been going around to the various third-level colleges in the city centre just giving presentations and advising students of, their, um, of the dangers of drugs and the risks that they, they take by taking these unknown substances um, and just passing on some advice in relation to what could happen, um, that if they're arrested or they're caught in possession, then, of course, these are very serious offences and ultimately they could end up um, again being brought before the courts and it will affect their future before it is even started for jobs, travel. And when they're taking drugs, I mean, they don't really know half the time what they're putting into their bodies. So, like, even on that 
level, it's so dangerous for them physically and mentally. Absolutely. Um, it's an unknown substance. We don't know where it has come from. It's not a controlled drug. Um, and these drugs are often broken down with other um, ingredients. And the risk you take is just it's very severe. And far too often, I myself have seen the, the risks of someone taking an overdose and having to go to a family and break bad news. So we'd encourage students to stay away from drugs. Um, I mean, when they're engaged in drug taking, they're, they're engaging in supporting gangs that are selling the stuff. And will Gardaí be patrolling the area? Will there be extra patrols brought in? Yeah, as I'm from Sunday night, we'll have extra patrols in the O'Donovan's Road, College Road area, all the way down as far as the city centre. We're really um, bulking it up this year, um, and we'll have members on the beat from... 12 midday until 4am um, and we'll have a lot of beat patrols, mountain bike patrols, we'll have local drugs units um, on duty as well, um, supported by the public order unit on one or two of the nights as well. Okay, there you go. That was Sergeant Michael O'Connell, Community Policing Unity at Anglesey Garda Station yesterday in advance of RAG Week and they're particularly putting the message out to parents this weekend to talk to your children who will be young students who will be heading back after the weekend and they'll be heading back and we want them to have fun on Rag Week and that's all part of the college experience and college life but just can you make can you let them be mindful of residents who live near any of the student accommodation but also to look after themselves and to look out for each other we want them all at the end of Rag Week to have had a good week but to come back to you safe uh, next weekend. Also on the programme this morning we'll be talking about younger people in, as in teenagers who have been involved in organised fights in Formoy but we're trying to find out are they being blown a little bit out of proportion because they're getting so much attention on social media or is it only right and proper that we give it this type of attention but the danger is will Formoy get a very bad name and that it, they're, they're in themselves they're isolated incidents so it's unfair that Formoy has been targeted as if these organised fights are going on almost on a daily basis uh, Mark Malone will join us after 12 and he'll be previewing the what's on in the movies your thoughts and comments welcomed throughout the morning 1850 Morning Patricia I was in Mallow last night about half past seven there was a march going through the town. I couldn't make out what it was about, says uh, Mary. Mary, that was the protest march organised by the North Cork Hospital Action Group. They are the campaigners. They want the A&E at Mallow Hospital reopened in order to take pressure off Cork University Hospital and the Mercy Hospital. Actually, we had a reporter at it and uh, a little bit later on, I'll bring you a vox pop from some of the people that were protesting at, who were part of that march uh, yesterday. What else is, oh, this is on back to polling cards. Uh, Michael, re-voting cards. My son, who just turned 18, got his voting cards this morning. However, even though he's living in the same house as us, he'll have to go to a different polling station than his parents. It's a polling station that is 10 kilometres away. How weird is that? Now, that is us scratching our heads uh, here in the office when I saw when I saw that text come in okay we give it out to see has that ever happened to anybody else that's living in the same house same address but you would end up at different polling stations John Paul is wondering we, we've rang back that came in by text we've rang Michael back but unfortunately maybe he's at work and not able to take a call because we're interested to see where where it's happened is it a very rural area is it a townsland has the townsland been spelt incorrectly and the other one I was thinking is the polling card actually your son's polling card could it be for somebody else in a similar townsland and it's got 
directed to the wrong house because I have never heard of anyone living in the one house where you'll be voting at different polling stations. But listen, we'll put it out there to see stranger things have happened in the past. Can anybody explain how somebody who's just turned uh, turned 18 and also I'd be interested, did you register your son? Did you put him on the supplementary, well, the supplementary, well, the supplementary register of electors. How did he get registered so quickly if he's just turned 18? I'm just fearful that it's not his polling card that is actually for somebody else who just happens to have the same name. Now, I could be completely wrong on that one. 1850 333 103. If anyone can give us an explanation as to why somebody, an 18-year-old living at home with mammy and daddy and been asked to vote in a polling station 10 kilometres away. It's not even like the polling station in the same building next door. It's 10 kilometres away. Anyone with an explanation for that, please? Or if you heard of something similar, 1850 333 103. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Cork today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Smokeless coal, turf, gas and kiln dried wood. Open late seven days. Lowcostfuel.ie Egg foil mock quid den anihe is far lin. Shot a truer C103 air kirkig. Ha aglishne padrags pol er hroj foil el lorna kaharach. Ha koler naglish at hogos sevien ocht giat sashaskashe. Marialer gach ata erin devishtig. On dara gatach agason rune rate untach. Binja golni mask na multi dos na rodi esfar ledi an avagurkig er trip advisor. Agas isminik kunenter kershiser mar oat huenyach. On hiadur elegmetu lorna kaharach. Terhofada le sopel nev padr agas pol. Nukta quid denanita esfari gurkig C103. The GAA Sports Star of the Month Awards on C103 with the Rochestown Park Hotel. It's a great achievement and I was very surprised. So just to be nominated and was a was a great achievement and then to win it was just was almost over the moon. A fantastic year for, for car football and it's a fantastic year for me as well. The overall award winner for 2019 is Brian Hartnett for his part in Cork's All-Ireland Under-20 football success. The C103 GAA Sports Star of the Month Awards recognising outstanding achievement in the field of Cork GAA. This one's for you. C103. We've had a lot of reaction to a newspaper report earlier this week where Galway County Council is to examine the possibility of introducing random drug tests in secondary schools and sports organisation, with some listeners saying Cork County Council should follow suit. The suggestion was made at the County Galway Joint Policing Committee meeting. And joining me from Galway Councillor Michael Marr. Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning. And you're welcome to the programme. How widespread do you believe drug use is in County Galway? Yeah, it is absolutely vital. It's huge, Patricia. The amount of drugs we were told by uh, Mr. Joe Tracy, uh, HSE mental health officer, uh, the amount of lives lost last year was 570. The year before was 520. Um, and it's all down to drugs and drink and everything else. And unfortunately, drugs are available in every town, village, across the county and unfortunately they're now in school. So what used to be an urban problem and a problem that was mainly happening in cities has now trickled out into very rural areas? Absolutely Patricia, yeah. And, and I said at the JPC meeting that we have a public and civil, civic responsibility as councillors and educators to put policies in place to eliminate the drugs that's now a scourge in our county. And I believe it's the potency of some of the drugs, Michael, from the health professional's point of view that's causing real concern. 
Absolutely, Patricia. Yeah, uh, Mr. Tracy told us that the drugs that he had tested in Galway were 95% potent. He said he never came across the likes of it in all his life and he was 40 years in this trade. Well, that is, that is a real worry. And do you feel random drug testing in schools would just send a message out to young people, maybe act as a warning to them? Well, w- w- initially it was a warning, Patricia. Uh, we had kind of a four-step approach. Uh, uh, number one, parents leading by example um, at home, not allowing parties to take place where drugs and alcohol could be consumed. Then we said screening, testing in second-level education in schools, uh, uh, testing in the universities and IOTs, and then into companies, uh, make it mandatory. Now, I know we have to check out the um, legalities of this. Is it possible to do it? And I'll be raising that at our next ETV meeting, which is on next week, uh, to find out, can we introduce it into schools? And and it's not to, to, I suppose, blacken a child's reputation. If the guards screen a child for drugs now, he would have a, a, a conviction. Yeah. And it could stop that child travelling around the world at a later stage in his life. We're saying just bring in some kind of a screening, highlight to the parents, because we have parents on this committee who are very worried and would like to know if their children are taking drugs. And this will prove them. But it would be only a mark in their, in their school to say, OK, we, we know you've taken drugs. If we catch you again, then it could become a legal thing. And then parents can be notified. And, and what, a, what a wake-up call for parents as well. And I imagine a shock to get a phone call from the principal on a Monday morning to say that their beloved has tested positive for cocaine. Absolutely, Patricia, yeah. And, and it's alarming figures. I think we've got, we got some figures there that in Galway last year, uh, cocaine seized was 486,000, ecstasy tablets 8,000, cannabis use 902,000, and other 34,000. It's absolutely on a scourge, and it's, the figures are rising and rising every week. Well, we have Rag Week here in Cork next week, and I've I've actually just played out a piece of from a report that from yesterday where the local sergeant at the community policing unit in in the city, you know, putting out a warning to to students and young people about not drinking, but about the danger of drugs, and and they're particularly trying to get the message through to parents. You need to start talking to your young people, even you know, young people that are living away from home or attending college. You need to talk to them about the dangers. Absolutely, Patricia. And I think, I know the guards are doing their best to try and you know, to bring in the drugs into it and show them this, the kind of stuff that's out here. Don't use it because if you ever use it, you'll destroy your life. Um, but I think one thing coming from our JPC, working with the guards, that we want longer sentences for anybody caught supplying drugs. These guys should be taken out and locked away for, for, for life. Uh, anybody that's caught supplying drugs is damaging hundreds and hundreds of our young people. Yeah, one of our listeners says, Patricia, what we need is a zero, there is a zero tolerance on drink driving in this country and it would most certainly be a great idea to extend this and have zero tolerance on the use of drugs. All students in schools and higher education should be included in this screening. It's a terrific idea. However, this should include anyone accessing public funds. They would have to be a strict deterrent implemented to discourage the offenders. Maybe points could be awarded to the offender for three years banning them from funds until the points are cleared and I'm assuming she's talking about somebody uh, who's getting like a student grant or or a a student uh, loan. And there is a real danger as well Michael isn't there that there's a lost generation. If we don't get a grip on drugs and the drug use by our young people we're losing a generation. Absolutely, Patricia. And I said it on Galway Bay FM when I was talking with Keith Finnegan there early on the week. Um, 
in, in all the discussions which are coming up to the election, there was no discussion on what we're going to do with drugs and what policies we're going to put in place. And I thought that was terrible. You know, if our new leader is going to come in to what they're going to do in the country. There should have been plenty of questions fired with them. What are you going to introduce? Can we have zero tolerance? What is the, um, the uh, what do I call it, the legalities of introducing this into our schools? Because it certainly will save lives. Um, and we have to address it. Uh, the figure is rising. So we have to do something. Okay, and actually that's the question I can see coming in from a lot of people. Is this not an infringement on human rights? Somebody's asking, and surely this is totally illegal. And I know one of your fellow councillors had suggested that it could be unconstitutional. Is that the side that you're now looking at? Certainly is, Patricia, yeah. We need to find out exactly, is it possible, is it legal? And if it's not, then what else can we do to... to, um, try and alleviate the drug problem. It's in every town, county in Ireland, and anybody that thinks it's not, uh, is living in the, they're not living in the same space I'm living in, definitely, anyway. Are you surprised by the reaction to, since you went public with this? I, I'm not. I'm not. I, I think we've, we've, we've had a lot of parents on our committee that feel that they would love to know if their child was taking drugs. Um, and, and they don't want to wait until the, the guards pull up outside and say, no, we have a problem. Mm. I think if we could highlight that problem early on, and, and educate our, our, our young people. Um, I spoke to a lot of uh, female, young female ladies, and they said, Mike, I'll take the drugs because I won't put on weight. If I drink, I'll put on weight. And I said, oh, for God's sake, I said, don't take anything at all. Go out and enjoy Coke. And you mean the liquid coke, not the, the coke, coke, not yeah. the coke that they pour up their nose. All right, okay. Absolutely. We'll keep a close eye on this, and I think it's good that you've got the discussion going for sure. Uh, so well done on that. And listen, thank you for joining us on the program this morning. Thanks, Patricia. Good morning bye-bye. to you. Bye bye. That is from uh, County Galway uh, local councillor Michael uh, Mar. Mike says, "I think it should be brought into all places of work." They should all have mandatory drug testing. Do not just introduce it in schools. Some places of work, at, at some places of employment do have mandatory drug testing, but it's the legality and a number of people are picking up on this. What's the legal side of it? As I say, one of the councillors at that joint policing committee was talking about it being unconstitutional, so they are looking at that now. Uh, Nell says, Morning Patricia, regarding random drug testing, I was wondering how this is going to work legally. I work in drug addiction programme and unless I am a medical profession, I cannot see the results legally. At least I can't act if the result was positive. Are the schools, would the schools be linked into the HSC for testing, for example? Just curious of how it would work from that aspect. I think, yeah. Well, I think the suggestion has just been made and it's gaining traction and it's gaining momentum and I think from here then they've got to work out can it work and how it will work I mean I think yeah absolutely I think it would have to be linked in some way to the HSE I mean I don't think when I kind of flippantly it may have sounded kind of flippantly when I said that you know the principal would come into the classroom and randomly pick out five pupils on a Monday morning and say right down to my office we're going to drug test you Uh, I don't think it, I'm, I wasn't in any way suggesting it would be the principal would be doing it they would have to have some kind of a health professional there I just you know because it is random drug testing so various schools and um, what imagine will be picked on, on a Monday and no school would know when they're going to get the call and just uh, I know health professionals turn up I don't, I don't know I mean I'm just as I say it's just a suggestion that's been put out there at the moment and Tim says uh, Patricia parental permission will be required for testing anybody under the age of 17 for drugs and there probably would be a need for a government order not only drugs 
drugs but teens are drinking as young as 13 so by the time they are 20 they can have a lot of damage done to their still developing bodies and in particular their developing brains then we are waiting on a referendum on lowering the voting age to 16 says uh, Tim on parental you would need parental permission but I thought Councillor Michael Marr when he was when he was talking about the parents that are on that joint policing committee and they were saying that they would love to know in advance give be given the heads up that their son or daughter is taking drugs rather than get a knock on the door from a police officer or worse a phone call in the middle of the night to say your young person has taken something and they've ended up in the in an ICU unit at the local hospital and God knows we've spoken to too many parents and family members where that has happened and their child didn't survive. So I think they would, I think parents in the main, I think if if it was constitutionally proven that we could do it and you had all the I's dotted and the T's crossed and we could prove that it was legal and it was done by health professionals, I think there would be very, very few parents who would not give permission for a son or daughter to undergo random drug testing. 1850 333 103. Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Short Castle Street, Mallow. Open seven days for smokeless coal, turf, kiln dried wood, and gas. Lowcostfuel.ie. We've got it at breakfast. Morning. How are you? Waking you up with Cork's greatest hits. We've got it for Cork today. Would parents be allowed to fundraise for the creches? Why should they have yeah, to? Yeah. And we've got it all day long. Couldn't believe it. Big section of the shop just reserved for Easter eggs. Oh, I didn't buy one, but I was tempted. And on your smart speaker, if you have one, ask it to play C103. I'd love to hear from you. Anybody uh, celebrating birthdays or anniversaries, whatever it is, uh, let me know. Once again, you've showed us the love. 240,000 people now listen to C103 and Cork's 96 FM every week. Source, Genelor, Ipsos, MRBI 2019-4. Thanks for listening to Cork's greatest hits. C103. Hashtag Choose Radio. Cork today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086-2103-103. Now, there's been a lot of social media coverage about teenagers involved in organised fights in the town of Formoy with the Gardaí last week suggesting the parents need to step up to their responsibility and look after their own children. So to discuss if these fights are being blown out of all proportion or is there real concern locally? I'm joined by Fomoy councillor Noel McCarthy. Good morning to you, Noel. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, and, and, you, and you're welcome. Do you believe these fights are isolated incidents in Fomoy? Without a doubt, Patricia. These are isolated incidents that have happened on two occasions now. One last Wednesday week and one last Tuesday. Just gone by. And... Patricia, it was amazing that happened when one and happened on the afternoon last Wednesday week when the kids now have a half day from school. Mm-hmm. And one happened last Tuesday when there was a strike, the industrial action being taken by the teachers. So they were off school. So these events took place on them two days. And they're just, I, I think, teenagers not acting responsible. I have to agree with the Gardaí by saying parents have responsibilities here because I think themselves are putting it up on social media and maybe as well as somebody passing and seeing it. But it's putting the town of Femoy in a bad light because this town is a great town to live in. We have a great community, Gardaí, 
uh, relationship in the town. We have good schools, good sporting facilities. So I'm just asking these uh, unresponsible teenagers to to behave properly like everyone else because majority of young people in this town uh, and people that come to school in this town are nice young people, Patricia. And because these videos are shared so much on social media, it makes it feel feel like they're happening more than they're really not. Exactly. And it frightens people. If you look at this, you're not from the town, and you're saying, oh God, has for my problem. It hasn't. They're doing this. They're, they're frightening people. They're making people be concerned when they don't have to be concerned. And it's wrong. And it, like, there is no problem. I want to get this. We have no antisocial behaviour here in Formoy. These are things that only started to happen over the last few weeks. I want to compliment the Gardaí. I know there's a line of inquiry going on at the moment and I have no doubt they'll get to the bottom of this. And probably, the, I don't want to be, be bad-mouthing probably these teenagers that are doing reader. They might think just, just a bit of fun, just roaring and shouting more than anything is a, is a cool thing to do. But it's not because they're putting Formoy in a bad light, as I say, and they must just stop and think. And maybe their parents might see this, this on social media and identify their own children and say to them, this is not the right thing to do. And you can ca- you and you you say you said there a couple of minutes ago that you can categorically state there's no antisocial behaviour in, in Formoy. That's a very broad statement to make, Noel. Well well not in a big way. We have we, we have the usual small instance that happen in every town and village. Yeah. Trisha. But we have nothing big. We we have no I'm, I'm sure the Guardian will confirm that. Uh, when I'm talking about teenagers causing a problem, like you look at these social uh, media videos and you think, oh, there's a huge problem for mine. There is not. You know, I, I, one person rang me, a friend of mine from outside the town, and either problem for mine, and I said, no, no, we haven't. We haven't a problem in town. It'll just under control. This is only somebody, a teenager, a group of teenagers, think this is a cool thing to do, to be seen on social media, roaring and shouting, and maybe arguing with one another, but it's not. And, it's not a problem that we have in the town to be with. The Gardaí are really, as I say, we have a great community Gardaí here. It's very well, uh, we, we, if there is a problem in the town, it's taken care of and sorted in a, the proper manner. We haven't yeah, and, and like I know that. when we contacted the local Gardaí to ask them if they wanted to come on to talk about it, when it, you know, when we thought maybe this is a huge issue in Formoy, they said similar isolated incidents. Uh, it was, I think, the Gardaí in Dublin who highlighted, who uh, put the post up about parents and parental responsibility. And they're probably right to do that because even if you have one of these organised fights, there are young people involved. Where, where were the parents when it was going on? Exactly. And as I said, it was off school times. There was a, a half day in one incident, a day off in another incident. And they probably think that there's some groups maybe have a difference with another that to be kind of a cool thing to do, to be fighting and arguing out in a main street or somewhere uh, uh, out in public. And they, they put it up in social media as if there's a used incident. And it's not. All right, well, I've got I've one concern. A text in from somebody who signs themselves as a concerned uh, parent who disagrees. Um, this parent is saying there's a lot of fighting going on in Formoy, full of antisocial behaviour. Is it going on? You're just not worried about? It? Are you not just not seeing it? Well, I I, I have normally the, the two instances that came was brought to my attention. The first one last Wednesday week was definitely brought to my attention, and the one last two was brought to my attention. But before that, as I say, we have small things that happen, but it's not. A, I must disagree with that. Listen, we haven't a, a anti-social behaviour problem here in mind. If there's incidents, they're very well dealt with by the community guard or by the guardian general. And but can I say, if there are incidents, then pick up the phone and ring the guards, let them know. Well, 
without a doubt, because if things like this are not reported to the Gardaí, well, then they, they can't um, act in them. And I think that's very important as well. We have small things that happen, but they happen in every town. But the things that were on social media over the last week and a half are not an ongoing thing in Fomoy. And I think other people from Fomoy will agree with me on that. Fomoy is a great place to live in, a great place to, to raise a family in. And we have great sporting facilities and other facilities for, for, for both teenagers and so on. Okay. And like we have so many organisations in this club, well run and, and well supervised, that there's plenty to do here in Fomoy rather than happening to do the things like they were doing in the street over the last week and a half. Okay, someone else is saying you need to wake up. There are groups coming from Mitchellstown who are organising the fights. And again, I say, if anybody knows of that going on or sees it, I'd be picking up the phone and, and ringing the guards immediately because... I I, I did hear that, Patricia. I did hear about something in Mitchell, but again, it's very hard to comment when I don't know them people as they are, wherever they're from. But all I can say is, whoever these young people are are from, coming into our town, they shouldn't be organising anything like that because they're giving Femoy a bad name by even trying to organise events like this. It's totally wrong. Okay, okay. And can I, and I knew the minute you would come on the programme, I was expecting to get a text. I have a couple of texts in on the the mobile caravan outside Kilcrumper Cemetery. Somebody saying it's going on for three years now. Helen is one of the texters saying it's a joke. What? Could you ask Noel what is going on? And there's a couple of others saying any hope of moving the mobile home from outside Kilcrumper Cemetery. No, but I understand where Helen comes from and the residents out there and people that visit Kilcrumper on a regular basis. Is totally Are the family still I, living in it? No. no, no. Okay. And that's what the point I wanted to get to. I did raise it at our last municipal meeting and I was asked now that I asked that the caravan is now empty. Now is the time to move it. And I'm, I am disappointed that hasn't been done. The answer I got on the day was that there was a, still a court case going on and they were waiting for voice from that being finished. But I said, this is going on far too long, like your listener said, and we should act now and move it while there's no one in it. And, 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 and forget about the cost, just do it and we can deal with everything else after because it's there too long and it's not fair to the people living in the area or visiting the Kilcrumper. And at this stage, it's just unsightly looking, is it? It's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. I, like, there's no other graver, I think, anywhere in the county of Cork with a, with a mobile home like, or a caravan like this outside any graver. Should, it shouldn't be left happening for mine. Did, f- did the family get a house? They're, they're, they haven't got a house, but they're, they're, they're living in an accommodation, as we say, but... That's the, that's the court case. Oh, is it? Okay. Case. All right. Yeah, well, yeah. if there's a court case yeah. pending, we won't get into that yeah, part. I, of it. And that's very hard for me to comment. Yeah, well. absolutely. So, absolutely. Yeah. Listen, Noel, thank you for that. We'll talk again, but thanks for joining us on the programme. Thank you, Patricia. Good morning thank to you. you. That is uh, from Moy, uh, County Councillor uh, Noel McCarthy. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Some of your calls coming into the programme on my piece with Councillor Noel McCarthy and antisocial behaviour and what young people are getting up to in Formoy. Liz says there wasn't a guard there to be seen in Formoy. It's not just young people from Formoy. This is somebody else saying it's young people coming from Mitchellstown heading to Formoy. They even some of them even carry weapons. Liz says we saw a hammer in action. So they, so it, it's wrong to say that there isn't antisocial behaviour or these organised fights are not going on. It's happening. The fight earlier this week went from the Mart up to McCurtain Street and not one Garda in sight. We need more Garda resources in Formoy. We need them patrolling the streets on an ongoing basis. And on the 
mobile home that's outside Kilcrumper Cemetery. The listener that asked me to ask Noel about that came back and said thank you for that Patricia and for raising my issue. I'm not sure when Councillor Noel McCarthy was last on your programme but my memory tells me that it was many months ago. At that stage she said there was a court case pending so I feel at this stage it's all a bit of a joke and we probably won't hear anything about it until he's on the radio with you again. Something needs to happen. It's, it must be very unsightly as well to be and to go visit your loved ones in a graveyard and to have a disused mobile home outside a I can sense and understand your frustrations uh, for sure. And Marion in Mitchellstown says a lot of parents, this is on drug testing of young people, a lot of parents have no idea of what drugs are out there today. There's so many different types of drugs. There's no way that parents can be aware of all the drugs that are now available. Uh, so parents with young, parents with young children need to educate themselves. My son goes to CIT. Obviously you've got a great relationship with him, Marion, because he talks to me and he tells me all the stories of what's going on. Only for that says Marion in Mitchellstown I certainly would not have a clue. And then another parent, when I suggested that I didn't think there would be any issue around parents giving parental permission, if just say that somehow laws got changed and they were allowed to bring random drug testing into schools they would need parental permission for anybody under the age of 18 and I was saying I didn't think that many parents would have an issue with that well I'm wrong because listener says completely wrong headed approach I would not give my consent for my child to be tested at school or indeed anywhere else we need the approach that they take in Portugal and a grown up conversation about drugs banning parties is a suggestion that it's been made maybe take some time to examine why some young people fall victim to addiction it's hopelessness lack of proper jobs political apathy the housing crisis I don't want to live in a police state that that man that you spoke to that councillor from Galway uh, and what he is proposing so there's a parent who absolutely would not give permission for her son our daughter to be randomly tested for drugs and Michael says Patricia one rings the guardy and not the guards as what you said Please show some bit of respect towards our Irish language. Regards, Michael. That's putting me back in my box, isn't it? Am I, my apologies, Michael. I know that annoys, maybe you're Hall. I know that annoys people when I say guards instead of saying guardie. But sometimes in my defence, what can happen is if I'm reading out a text message from someone and somebody has actually written guards instead of guardie, and you know when you're looking at something and you're reading it, I know I should be saying guardie, but when you see it in print in front of you, you say guards instead. So my, I will try to remember that and try to be respectful of the Irish language and try to always refer to members of Angarda Siakona as the guardie. 1850 Let me go to the phone lines where Agnes certainly isn't having a good day. Agnes is in Clonakilty. Good afternoon or good morning to you, Agnes. It's not afternoon. Good morning. good morning. You've got a parking ticket, was it? A parking ticket in Clonakilty last week. Tell us what I'm happened. Uh, I just drove down the street and a car pulled out and I pulled in outside the Bank of Ireland. Now, I went away and discovered after going, I went into the bank uh, to lodge a check I had come away when I discovered that I had a parking ticket I drove around twice before I could see anything I said there's no loading bay there I actually had to get out of the car to look but there was no sign where I had parked but next to it there had been loading bay written at one stage but you would have to 
stand over it to ascertain that there had ever been anything written there. And I got on to the council, rang them, they won't even talk to you, just sit it in by email, send it in by email with a photograph, just get a thing back, it can't be cancelled. So I want to, uh, to warn people, because there's a load of people going to get caught in there. Because so this when I is drove um, again, two days later, there was cars parked there again. This is on the main street on in, in Clonakilty, right yeah. outside the Bank of Ireland. Between, yeah, the Bank of Ireland down to the Munster and Leinster Bank. And that whole area is a loading bay? It's a whole loading bay the whole way down. So what they're loading, I don't know. I was loading a check into the bank. <laughs> <laughs> it's about three, is it, would it be three car park spaces more? Well, five, I'd Five, say. oh God. Mm. Okay, I, and of course, because you saw a car pull out, you said, oh great. A car backed out yeah. of the end one and I just pulled in. There was nothing whatsoever unwritten where I was. And you were thinking, happy days, right happy outside days, the bank. I thought, this is great. I don't have to go any further. I'm just going into the bank. And how much is the parking fine? 40 euros. Oh. And you can't even talk to anyone. Yeah, because once they say, you've broken the law. Now, whatever about if you were coming on saying I parked on double yellow lines or I blocked. Or if I could see loading bay and I parked there, I would put up my hand and say, I did it. But you didn't see the loading bay. And I've shown the picture to different people and they say, sure, nobody could know that that was a loading bay. Okay, and and I'm wondering now, let's let's throw it out there, have others been caught? So let's let's just see. I went into the council office in Clonakilty again this morning and they said they could do nothing about it, but she she did uh, kind of make a reference that I wasn't the only one. Yeah. Ah, oh, it's annoying. It's a, an expensive check that you lodged, that you lost, <laughs> the last 40 euro on it. All right, Agnes, listen, thank you but for just, warning just others. Want to warn other yeah, people. Be careful, be careful. Yeah. Thanks for that. Thank you very much. Bye bye. 1850 Have you been caught at the loading bay that doesn't look like a loading bay on the main street in Clonakilty outside the Bank of uh, Ireland? And I want to give a quick mention, and thank you, Catherine, for this. Catherine had sent in a text to me last week advertising a coffee morning that going on tomorrow on election day and I'd said to her will you remind me of that so that I won't forget to give it another mention and she sent me on another text so so thanks for that. It's on in the Hunter's Rest in Mitchellstown tomorrow and it is a coffee morning, it's an annual coffee morning that uh, Catherine and her partner Cullum organise and the proceeds go to the Better Life Cycle Group which is for St. Joseph's Foundation in Charleville and at the coffee morning they are promising to deliver the most tasty scrumptious warm melting scones uh, they're provided by Geraldine Roach accompanied by Sherry Jams from Mitchellstown and served with coffee and tea by the chirpy wonderful staff of the Hunters rest under the guidance of the one and only Tony and is on on election day and Catherine says because the weather forecast is so bad and we're talking about Storm Kira, and we're saying to people to get out early she says this is even a better reason to get out early in Mitchellstown come out early vote and then on your way there to the polling station or on your way back pop into the Hunters rest for a lovely warm cup of tea or coffee with all those wonderful enticing uh, confectionaries and scones and nice things to eat and then you can head home they're going to be open from half eight tomorrow morning in the Hunters Rest until about half past twelve so if you're in Mitchellstown please uh, head in there 1850 going to go to one quick more call Paul Kavanagh is from Formoy and he joins me good morning to you Paul 
Uh, good morning. And this is picking up on Noel, Councillor Noel McCarthy. He's saying there isn't antisocial behaviour. Other listeners say there's evidence of it. Some are saying there's gangs coming from Mitchellstown. What are you seeing? Well, we've heard all this, right? And there's no doubt. I'm, I'm, maybe I can say something that Noel can say, which is it's, it's, it's not a coincidence that it happened last Tuesday and the previous Wednesday when the schools were off. There was a strike last Tuesday and they had a half day the previous Wednesday. And what I heard is that they have come from Mitchellstown and that there's two groups in a kind of a standoff. There's no more than six to eight people involved at either side, but there's a lot of girls as well shouting them on and taking videos. And that is antisocial, there's no doubt about it. I, one of your texters there said something about a hammer. God yeah. almighty, if someone has a hammer in their hand, a young person, they should be reported immediately to the Garda station. The Garda station is no more than two minutes from the square in Fomoy or from the mart or from the Cutton Street. So it's quite simple. I can't understand why people, they seem to love to take videos yeah. and put them up online and say, oh, there's a major problem. What I saw online, the videos I saw, were fellas pausing and standoffs and shouting at each other. I don't know what that's about, to be honest with you, and I don't know where they came from, but I'm just making the point, it's no coincidence that it happened both days when the schools were off on strike. And therefore, therefore, that ties in with the Gardaí, who last week, after the Wednesday incident, issued the the warning to parents to say, know where your children are and what your children are getting up to. This parental responsibility. Absolutely, and that is it exactly. That is exactly. We there is no real problem in Formoy, but if you let kids out and there's no school on and their parents don't know where they are, then you're gonna end up with, with this kind of problem. And then it's the fact that people are videotaping it and it's going around on social media. It's making it look worse because one will see the video, share it with somebody else, share it with somebody else uh, and people think, oh my God, the town of Formoy don't go near the place because of all of these fights. There isn't that many. It is happening. It's happened. But social media are slightly blowing it out of proportion. Absolutely. Yeah. I think the Gardaí, from what I understand, the Gardaí are well on top of it. They're following their own lines of inquiries in looking at these videos. And you know what I mean? They just have to try and stop it. They're, they're young kids. They're young kids. They're under 18. So there's certain things that you've just pointed out there a while ago that you can. And, and the Gardaí, uh, on Gardaí, she's going as you were calling them. <laughs> <laughs> with these organised fights is and God knows families have been devastated by it this one punch and somebody can be killed nobody well, set out to kill anyone and you have a young life taken and, and the person who did the stupid punch that just hit at the wrong time the wrong place lives yes. are destroyed, destroyed because of this on all sides. They will, the person who did it will, the perpetrator will regret it for the rest of their life could change their life completely and nobody wants that yeah Okay. If they, right. if they want to have rivalry, 
have it on the GA pitch, the soccer pitch, the rugby pitch, that's wherever. That's the place to have it. But, that's the place to have it. That's the place to have it if you want your rivalry, lads. Okay, listen, Paul, thank that's you for that. Time. Thanks uh, thank for you. joining us. Pat Infomoy says there's been two incidents that everyone's talking about. The one last Tuesday and the one the previous Wednesday. But I've heard rumours of more. Rumours saying there's six or seven more incidents is what I've heard. And uh, again, Pat is backing up what he's hearing. It's uh, a group coming from Mitchellstown. So it seems to be like two rival gangs uh, almost. 1850 333 103. C103 Jobs. A cleaner is wanted to work 12 to 15 hours per week Friday, Saturday, Sunday and Monday for commercial premises in the North Cork area. Rigid truck drivers wanted for tipping work North Cork and Cork City. Qualified hairstylists wanted, that's to cover a maternity leave in the Roscarbury area. And a part-time bookkeeper is wanted for construction slash retail premises in Bantry. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Smokeless coal, turf, gas and kiln dried wood. Open late seven days. Lowcostfuel.ie Singer from Knocknagree in northwest Cork and look forward to being mentored by musical legend Tom Jones after impressing three of the four judges and the audience with their performance on the new series of The Voice UK which airs on Saturday nights 8 o'clock on Virgin Media One. Ellie O'Keefe from Knocknagree joins me but she's actually joining me on the line from London where she is now based. Um, <laughs> good afternoon oh, good morning it's still morning time. Good morning Hi, how are you? Well, firstly, congratulations. It was absolutely fantastic. How, when was that piece actually recorded? Um, so, so the show, you mean? Yeah, the, what we saw last week. Yeah, so it's all pre-recorded in like maybe a few weeks beforehand. So it was pretty strange for myself watching back because I hadn't seen any of it either, even though I had known that I'd, I'd, I'd gotten through, you know. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite a, an intense whirlwind of a few months, I'll say. <laughs> and do you, did you have to keep that news quiet? Were you allowed to share it with well, people? Of course. No, no, I have to keep it quiet because obviously the public don't know. So you have to, you have to, they'll kind of film the, um, the rounds like a few weeks before and it, before it's aired, you know. Yeah. And your dad travelled over. Yes, so my mom and my dad and my sister were there with me for the blind audition. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, so where I know you can't talk about where you're at. Are you? Because you, you, we're not at the live stage yet. How many weeks away are we from the live? Oh no, no weeks and weeks and weeks. All right. And okay. Weeks. Like the live shows don't start till the end of March. Like, so only the final like um, eight get you to the to the live to the the first uh, live semi final. So there's like the, the blind audition the battle rounds and the knockouts. So all those rounds are filmed. And then if you get through all those, you get you make it to the to first the live show, which will be the end of uh, March. And so, ha- have um, you filmed any uh, of that? Have you have you filmed I'm, any of that yet? I'm preparing for the battle now. Okay. Like, so basically there's 10, um, there'll be 10 contestants. At, like at the moment, no, Tom has seven on his team. So by the time he fills up to the 10, then they'll start working on, basically, you have to do a duet with one other person off your team and Tom can only take five through then yeah. from the battle to the knockout. So it's like, and then it is like pre-filmed and stuff, but like it is kind of sworn to secrecy how 
you know, you got to just kind of get on with it yourself and until you're told it's going to be aired, then you can't really say anything about it. So, but I mean, I'm, I, all I'll say is obviously I'm choosing to the next round. So I've been kind of just working on, on songs and working with Sam's team and stuff. And it's been pretty like mind blowing, I suppose, kind of talking to Tom Jones about songs and stuff like that you know um, well it's funny yeah, it's, it's even even hearing you talk about Tom you you say he's like my all my buddy my friend Tom Jones I know everyone's always laughing at me in school because I'm like <laughs> they're like oh we'll see you tomorrow I'm like no 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 I'm out tomorrow because I'm filming with Tom and they're like oh I'm sorry my friend Tom <laughs> <laughs> and, so, and I don't I meant to call him like you know he's <laughs> well, and when you, when you're talking to him next, you can tell him we're all very excited about him coming to Cork. <laughs> he sold out the marquee; all the tickets are gone. Oh, he heard, I heard this yesterday. He sold it out yesterday. Completely now, this gone. Hilarious, because everybody in Ireland is like, "Oh, I'm rooting for Ellie for marquee for Tom." But you know, I I you know I haven't heard anything from him or his team in terms of whether or not I'll be coming to Cork with him. Obviously, I'd love to like sing a song with him or do support him or something like that, but. I haven't heard anything, but it is it is quite a strange uh, coincidence, you know, that like I'm like the only Cork person on his team, you know, and he's playing in Cork in June, which will be about maybe six weeks after the show actually is finished. So um, it'll be interesting to see whether or not he'll remember me by then. <laughs> and as you say, you are available. Yeah, well, you know, you, you got to make yourself available <laughs> for that sort of gig. <laughs> Tell, how long are you, bet you went to London a couple of years ago, was it? Uh, six years ago, actually. Oh, is um, it? Okay. Did, yeah, no, it's, it's quite a bit like I was, like, I, I'm from Nath Negree, but I lived in Cork City for about eight years. And I was, I was actually, I was on your show before, actually, when I released my first album. John Paul was the just, ter- how many years ago yeah. was that? It, it's actually 10 years ago oh. this November. Yeah, yeah. Goodness. So, like, so about nine years ago, yeah, I was I was 21 or 22 when I released it. And um, I went out. I actually, it was another Cork singer, songwriter, Hank Goodell, actually. I remember that he drove out and the two of us did a radio interview and I was promoting my album and he was just promoting some songs he'd written, I think, at the time. I think um, I think the song was Listen and, and Christy Moore had covered it. So, uh, but it's, it, that's years ago now. Like, I mean, it's... it's and actually, we had, we had Hank Widell join us in studio on Christmas Eve this year. Oh, isn't that <laughs> mad? Yeah, yes. sure. I played, I played a good few gigs with Hank back in... Back in the day, it was great, great fun. Myself, Hank, and another um, piano player, Del Curtin, who now runs the venue Collins in Cork over yeah. in the south. Yeah. Um, I actually do a gig there every Christmas since I've moved away. I was saying it there the other morning, actually, in another radio interview. And it's been like, I swear, I, I like since they aired the show last Saturday night, I, I, I can't believe the support and just the general, like, like proudness I'm feeling from home like it's really overwhelming honestly I get emotionally even thinking about it because you know when I was based in Cork for eight years and I released my first album and you know everyone was rooting for me back then just the same way they are now and it feels like I just haven't left at all you know even though I moved to London to try and pursue like a, you know a career in the music industry you know and it was it was very hard like um, and are you and gig- I, are you gigging in London? I am, but I'm doing, like, I joined the band about four years ago. It was like a function call then, you know, like, it was just for work, really. Um, and I do some solo gigs. And then the odd time, I might do, like, an original Elio Keith gig, like, maybe in the city. But I teach three days a week and stuff. So it's kind of hard to balance the artists. I know. Like, That's why this, this programme yeah. and the winning of this programme could be life-changing for you. 
Well, of course, like, it's all about, I mean, I, I have been, like, pushing my own career along. Like, my first two years in London when I moved, which would have been 2014, when I moved, I just solely did my own career. I worked really hard for two years with a great producer called Joe Hurst, and I recorded an EP, and I went on a little tour around the UK and in Ireland. But, I mean, I was funding it myself. I had no yeah. backing, I had no manager, no agent. All I had was that producer helping me. He was, And, you know, we'd know, it was very, very hard. It was a really tough slog like and then I had a stint where I worked at BMG Publishing for a while and I was, they were kind of pushing me towards Radio 1 and like I just wasn't commercial enough I don't think I'm more of a kind of folk rootsy kind of songwriter and then that kind of fizzled out and I just kind of got sick of it then and then I joined this band in West London and naturally I found my way into the Irish kind of community and the, mu- the musicians over here and then like I met my boyfriend actually in that band and then throughout that I, I got a teaching job and yeah, it's all just kind of accumulated and say, you know, I have a really good life here and I'm very, very lucky. I, I love my job. Like, I I love teaching kids and stuff. And it's only three days a week, so it still gives me it's time. It's perfect. You can still, you can still yeah. do the music. And you, you mentioned you were home for Christmas. Do you get, do you get back yeah. to Knocknagree much? Um, I try and come home maybe every every three, four months. So, like, last year now I was home maybe three or four times. Ah, yeah. yeah. And um, it's only a yeah. short oh, hop. Yeah. It's perfect. It's it's only a short hop. Um, okay, we're, we 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 will speak again to you uh, as the <laughs> process rolls on. And I appreciate you yeah. can only tell us so much each time. But listen, course, we are so... I won't, I won't spoil it for But you. listen, we are so proud of you. I mean, it's just oh, incredible. The amount so of people talking about you is great. <laughs> Best of luck. And we'll, we'll be flying the flag this end, all right? Uh, God bless. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye bye. I'm going to play a little bit. This was Ellie. This was Ellie on Saturday. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Michael Inclanakilty was listening to Agnes, poor Agnes, who got her parking ticket on the loading bay last week on the main street in Clonakilty. She didn't see that it was a loading bay. Michael wants to clarify and says the loading bay in Clonakilty is clearly marked. It's marked with broken lines and it says loading bay on the road. But I think what happened listening to Agnes, Agnes was driving down the main street a car pulled out of that parking space at the obviously the end of the load, loading bay Agnes thought, happy days, the parking angels are with me. And she drove into the space. The place where where obviously you're saying it's written, Loading Bay is written on the road, that was obviously covered by other cars and she didn't see it. She didn't realise it was a Loading Bay. And that's why she wanted to alert other people because she's fearful that others are going to get caught out like she was and it cost her €40 and she was just going in to lodge a uh, cheque. Hi Patricia, I've received two polling cards in my name but there are different numbers so I'm obviously definitely registered twice. Can I vote twice? Question mark, question mark. Bad mistake surely, says Rita. It would be illegal for you to vote twice, uh, Rita. That's not to say that people haven't done that in the past if an extra polling card arrived but no, you can't vote twice. I would suggest that when you go into your uh, is it the same polling station or have you got two different polling stations and draw their attention uh, to it that you got two polling cards but uh, no the simple answer is you can't vote twice Fimber wants to say well, well done to Paul Kavanagh who joined us in the last hour speaking up on the fights that are going on in Formoy thanking him says uh, Fimber 
Another listener says this is on the random drug testing and should we have random drug testing? This is a parent of a teenager in Mallow. Says, good morning, Trish. I absolutely 100% agree with drug testing. Random drug testing been done in schools. They should actually start it at the age of 12 until the last day of school. And this parent says, with or without parental consent, it should be brought in right away. Thanks for reading out my text. There's a mother who sees it very differently to the other mother who was fuming and said that she didn't want to live in a police state and would certainly not agree to having her son or daughter randomly tested for uh, drugs. Thank you to Maura supporting um, the person who picked me up on saying guard the guards instead of guardie. Actually, somebody else is in on that as well. Morning, Patricia. Whenever you, we say something these days, there will be some person waiting to jump down our throats. We're living in Ireland. We should be speaking Ar- Irish, but unfortunately, we're not. So, if I want to call it Gardaí or Guards, it's quite okay in a country that speaks Irish in an English language, says a, a texter. Thank you for that. 1850-333-103. Now, I want to bring you an email that I received yesterday. And actually, this the person has asked me to read this email out today. So I'm assuming this is a day where they're not at work and they're able to hear the email being read out. And therefore, hopefully, some people will be able to offer advice. And this is a, a lady, a listener, female listener who doesn't want her name read out. So we're, for the sake of the email, I'm going to call it Rose. Now it is a lengthy email so bear with me please and it is to do with somebody who works in a nursing home. Could you read this out please on Friday the 7th of February. Hi Patricia. I am a healthcare assistant and I have been for the past 15 years. I absolutely love my job and I am totally committed to it. I hear every day about people going on strikes which is fair enough but I work for a private nursing home provider and I work hard let me tell you. As I say I'm here 15 years and in that 15 years I haven't had one pay rise since I started work. I've asked plenty of times but I get absolutely no satisfaction. We the staff have no unions in this nursing home as the management don't want to hear about it and say they won't recognise a union. I've trained carers in helping them along their way, teaching them all they need to know about uh, infection control, how to do hoisting, how to look after uh, elderly uh, people, anything else and all of the everyday needs that a client would have. Once the carers get their experience in this particular nursing home, I can see them. They're gone, handing in their, their CVs and then you'll hear they're working for the HSC. I say fair play to them. I don't begrudge anyone from moving on. As I said, I do like my job. But my question is, who is out there to stand up for us, the private nursing home carers sec- sector, as we can't go on strike? Now, this is, I'm a bit confused. Rose says as they won't give you the P45 and I can't afford to lose my job with bills, etc. We are the backbone of this place. We dress, we wash, we feed, we comfort, we chat, we help all of the residents in any way possible and we do that day in, day out. The nurses don't help you as much as they would like to. Why? Because they are simply too busy with their own work. Then you listen to Hikwa about staffing levels. We have 23 clients on my section alone and Hikwa states that for 22 clients you should have 2.5 staff. In other words, two staff on 8 to 8 and one staff on from 8 to 2. 
So our Director of Nursing tells us that our staff level is already too high, uh, particularly for the in, for the client's independence. So on my floor, any given day, after two, there's two two of us on from eight to eight. That's two people to toilet them, give them them supper, chat, walk with them, give them drinks, put them to bed, comfort them, just make them feel at home and look after, after them because some of them unfortunately do wander. I can't, I'll give anyone my number one vote if they stand up for us. Carers in a hospital setting isn't a patch on what private nursing home carers do. You can send a client to hospital and maybe two to three three days later or perhaps a week later they'll come back to us. Some of them will have breaks. Some of them will have burns. Some of them will have pressure sores. Even some have come back they haven't had their hair washed in the whole time that they were in hospital and there's no excuse as we said in a full wash bag and all of the clothes that they need. Sorry about my rant but I'd like to know about our rights to get a pay rise and to get the government in some way to help us out. Thank you very much. Please don't say my name. All carers, private or public, should be on in the same wage bracket. So it's quite a detailed email uh, as well. And Rose does come across as somebody who's very kind, very caring, very committed to her work. So my instant reaction when I read the email and my open, if, if I rose sitting across from me and she had, she was telling me all that, my first thought is why Rose, you don't apply to work somewhere else. You sound like the kind of person that any other nursing provider, both public or private, would love to employ. You have a huge amount of uh, experience. You would be a real asset to any nursing home. So I don't know why in the 15 years that you haven't looked for another job. Now, maybe it's to do with the area in which you live and that where you're working is close to home. I don't know. But that would be my, my, my very first suggestion. And then I, I certainly think you need to go and get some trade union advice. You need to get advice on labour laws. I find it very hard to believe that somebody can work in the same job for 15 years and never get a pay rise. I mean, surely there's labour laws there to state that you've got to get some kind of pay rise in 15 years to never have a pay rise. It does look like your employer, pardon me for saying this, but it does look like your employer is screwing you a little bit if you can be there 15 years. And obviously your employer is very happy with you that they've kept you on for 15 years and, you, and you're in a role where you're training the new carers coming in. So you're obviously highly regarded where you work and yet they're not offering you any extra pay And as far as I know, and again, if there's anybody listening with trade union experience to help us on this, as far as I know, no one can stop you joining a union. And if, okay, if you're saying your employer won't recognise the union, no one can stop you going to a trade union, sitting down with an official and getting advice as to where you proceed from here. Because we have very, very tough labour laws in this country. You couldn't just get sacked because you went to speak to somebody in a trade union, for for example, and that you got advice on labour law. So I would certainly be pointing you in that direction. Go see somebody from a trade union and get a little bit of advice. And as to say, I don't know why you've hung in there for 15 years, but you do sound very loving and caring. And the residents in the nursing home where you are work are truly blessed to have a carer 
like you who's you know thinking about them all the time and trying to make sure that they're comforted and that they're made to feel like they are at home because that's really where they are when they end up in a nursing home environment. If anybody can offer advice to Rose, we'd love to hear from you. 1850 333 103 text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Bannon Hassock Community Development Association, they're holding a fundraising social dance. It's in the Marion Hall in Bannon Hassock and it is on tonight. Dancing is to Finbar Dennehy and that's from 9.45 and teas will be served. Kildare Bingo is on tonight. Half past eight is in the community hall. All are welcome. And Clyde Rovers, they'll hold their weekly lottery draw in the Hill Bar in Bottle Hill tonight. €4,800 is the jackpot with tickets on sale from Jerry O'Donoghue. Now there is a Valentine dance going on if I can find it and I can't but there is one here I can mention it's the Mallow United oh this is it Mallow United Special Olympics Club they're holding a fundraising Valentine's dance it's on in Glantan Community Centre on Valentine's Day which is this day week just let everybody alert Get your cards and flowers. Dancing is from 9.30 next Friday night to the Marino Band and proceeds from the night going towards funding the Munster team. They're taking part in the Special Olympics All-Ireland Floor Ball Winter Games. They're on in Belfast in March. There'll be a Monster Raffle also on the night and you can contact Geraldine for further details at 86 85 42019. Cork today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Smokeless coal, turf, gas, and kiln dried wood. Open late seven days. Lowcostfuel.ie. C103 brings you Farm Talk with John O'Connor. Saturdays at 10 a.m. and Wednesdays at 10 p.m. Why is it so important for farmers to have their silage tested if they want to ensure adequate feeding for their animals during the winter period? If we don't know exactly how good the quality of silage is without testing, it's like trying to score with no goalposts. Turn on farm. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
Talk with Dairy Gold Agribusiness for quality feed, expert service and support you can trust only on C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. For C103 photos and more, follow us on Instagram at C103Cork. Cork Today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. And someone responding to Rose's email about working in a nursing home for 15 years and she has never received a pay increase even though she has looked for one. Text just real quick as a flash says, I presume that the cost of staying in that nursing home hasn't increased in the last 15 years. Don't think so. Of course the costs have gone up. How right you are, but for some strange reason it's not being passed on to to, uh, staff members. Now yesterday just wanted to acknowledge this because we got a reply back from Irish Water on this. Remember somebody contacted us yesterday morning. It was a person living in the Canturk area and they had a problem with water leaking from their property. It was leaking onto the footpath and onto the road. They contacted both Irish Water and Cork County Council. They'd also I think spoken to candidates who were calling to their door to see if anything could be done and nothing was being done about it that they got on to us in desperation to say can you guys help us out so we got on to Irish Water and Cork County Council and in fairness to them Irish Water got back to us now they didn't get back to us until late last night but uh, we got we had, we got the reply or late yesterday evening and it's Irish Water and Cork County Council have located a water leak at the rear of the property with the address in Canturk they're expected to have the rep- Pair completed either this evening, that was yesterday evening, or early tomorrow morning, which would be this morning. And they apologised for an inconvenience uh, caused and went on to give the customer care uh, helpline, which I'm assuming that the lady who contacted us yesterday had already contacted. But anyway, uh, for it's been sorted. So if that lady wants to let us know in Canturk, I'm, I'm assuming by now, because it was to be, if it wasn't fixed by yesterday evening, it was to be done by this morning. So thank you to all involved in Cork County Council and Irish Water for sorting that out. Now, a protest organised by a group called the North Cork Hospital Action Group took place in Mallow last evening. Campaigners want the A and E and at Mallow Hospital reopened. They want the the whole passion behind it is to take pressure off Cork University Hospital and the Mercy. The Mercy Hospital was forced to introduce a full scale policy this week because of serious overcrowding. 73 patients were on trolleys in CUH and the Mercy yesterday. People in Mallow said it would make sense to reopen the A&E department at Mallow General Hospital and our reporter Katie O'Keefe was in Mallow last night for the protest and she spoke to some of those taking part. My main aim is to get the A&E unit back open to full swing in Mallow General Hospital because um, it don't make sense to me basically when someone has an accident or someone is sick having to pass up Mallow Hospital, which is a hospital of excellent standards, and the care people get there is excellent. So our main basic aim is to get the A&E open food swing. From tonight, if we don't get any uh, um, satisfaction, we will then um, probably take our fight to the doll, which is the possible best route we can go. All the other hospitals are completely clogged and dry clogged, and there's people on trolleys, and there's some people down on trolleys, like... So to get the backlash of the um, CUH, it's where open up all the hospitals again. I just want to keep the A&E open, 
because for people who have injuries, people have injuries where they go to Cork or Limerick. My father and mother are elderly and it would be a handy service for, for, for them and anybody that needs it in the town of Mallow. People have to go to Cork and it's a long journey So um, and I don't drive so it'd be hard for us to go to the a in Cork. Well, I think that Mallow Hospital is very important. I come from Castellan Roach, which is nine miles away. And if there was an accident, or for any reason, if there's only a small like, break your hand or break your finger, um, it's very important that we have Mallow Hospital open. And um, if you go to Cork, it's twice the journey. You're, you're held up in traffic lights, you're held up in everything. And if there's a serious emergency, people could lose their life in that much of a journey. It would definitely take pressure off. And this summer, I actually was in Mallow Hospital myself. I spent a weekend in Mallow Hospital. Uh, I got a knockout. And luckily enough, when I went in, they accepted me. And they kept me for the weekend. It's an absolutely brilliant hospital. Um, they gave me great great attention while I was there. It's spotlessly clean. It's, it's, it's an A1 hospital. And I, could, I don't think I would have got that, that attention in the COH. Thank you. That was uh, Katie who went out uh, yesterday to that protest in Mallow organised by the North Cork Hospital Action Group. And thank you to Eileen who contacted us uh, by email uh, to our website. Uh, She was listening to the programme yesterday and she heard the piece where we were talking about the television licence. And you remember we were talking about and we discovered when people who were deceased getting polling cards and how upsetting that was. But then that then led to people telling us stories about how TV licence expector knocking on somebody's door because the free TV licence belonged to the person who'd passed away and in some cases you know, two weeks after the person had died there was an inspector saying you have to buy a new TV licence that TV licence dies with the person almost and we just thought it was, it was heartless really and, and, and quite cruel and, and so upsetting on a family who were already grieving and you know th- there was one man was telling us the his wife had the or was yeah, his wife had the TV license. She was entitled to it. He wasn't, and you know he was in the early stages of grief after three weeks she'd passed away to have that knock on the door, and he just found that really upsetting. Anyway, Eileen by email through our website says my mother-in-law had a free TV license, and she lived with us, so we had a free TV license for the house because of my mother-in-law. When she died, we got a letter. I rang them up and said I can't afford one in one go. I wasn't expecting that we'd have to pay for it immediately. They suggested a direct debit of €13.33 a month which I now do. After the first payment is given you get the TV licence in the post. As far as I know if you go to the post office and get your book of stamps they cost €4 each and you have this when the TV licence inspector calls even if you only have one or two in the book they cannot find you as you're making an attempt to pay. Hope this helps your uh, caller. Well certainly on the direct debit I don't know about with a TV licence inspector if he came to to the door and you could show him that you had two stamps in the book uh, would he accept that or would he still give you a deadline and when you need to get your licence he probably would but but I know the point you're making there are other ways that you can pay for your television licence rather than have to pay it out in one lump sum so thank you for that the test by the way on the coronavirus that we spoke about yesterday when we and Mooney joined us on the programme just to let people know that that patient at Cork University Hospital has been uh, confirmed as negative that pa- patient does not have it it was a young man In his early 20s, he had been returning from a recent trip to China and he presented at the hospital with symptoms which were similar to those 
of the coronavirus so it's understood that he was immediately put into isolation which I think was the right thing to do uh, but then tests were conducted and the results have come back uh, thank God and it's found that it is negative but Chris Luke the consultant in emergency medicine and of course he's a senior lecturer now at UCC he's warned that people must remain vigilant and he said it is likely that a case of coronavirus will be confirmed in Ireland and he said it'll happen in the coming weeks because of course we've already seen people just across the water from us in the United Kingdom and there has been some cases across Europe as well so he reckons it will happen it will come here we won't we definitely won't keep coronavirus completely aware so people keep completely out of this country so people need to be uh, vigilant and I was so saddened to hear of the Chinese doctor Dr. Lee who tried to warn others of the oncoming corona virus outbreak. He tried to do it in December and he has died this week from the very infection. He was treating patients right in the epicentre of Wuhan and he was the first to see this coronavirus and he was doing his best to try to get the message uh, out. But of course that didn't go down well with the powers that be in uh, China. And the police previously targeted Dr. Lee because he was warning his medical student group about seven patients from a market displaying this respiratory difficulties. He initially, I think, thought it was SARS because he had worked as a doctor back in the outbreaks in 2002 and 2004 and he thought they were similar. So he started issuing uh, warnings. But of course, he was accused of rumour and scaremongering and um, he... um, he got targeted by the police and unfortunately how right the man was and maybe if they had listened to him at the time the outbreak now wouldn't be as bad in China as it is but sadly that man has uh, since passed away from uh, the virus 1850-333-103 let's take a break and come back and talk movies with Mark Malone Court today on C103 with a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go Shortcastle Street Mallow open seven days for smokeless coal Turf, kiln dried wood, and gas. Lowcostfuel.ie. We've got it at breakfast. Morning. How are you? Waking you up with Cork's greatest hits. We've got it for Cork today. Would parents be allowed to fundraise for the creches? Why should they have yeah, to? Yeah. And we've got it all day long. Couldn't believe it. Big section of the shop just reserved for Easter eggs. Oh, I didn't buy one, but I was tempted. And on your smart speaker, if you have one, ask it to play C103. I'd love to hear from you. Anybody uh, celebrating birthdays or anniversaries, whatever it is, uh, let me know. Once again, you've showed us the love. 240,000 people now listen to C103 and Cork's 96 FM every week. Source, Janelor, Ipsos, MRBI 2019-4. Thanks for listening to Cork's greatest hits. C103. Hashtag Choose Radio. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103 Going to the movies with Mark Malone. Good afternoon to you, Mark. Hi, Patricia. Kirk Douglas, were you a fan? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. of course, yeah. Well, it wasn't everybody? Yeah. I yeah, mean, it's, just... it's an extraordinary life. You know, to come from nothing, you know, uh, poverty, basically. Yeah. His parents came over from Russia. I think it's Belarus. You know, they spoke Yiddish at home, and he, which was his first language. He, didn't, he couldn't even speak English when he came uh, to America first. Yeah, and, uh, you know, came from nothing and ended up being one of the richest men in Hollywood because at, from very, very early on in his career, what he decided to do was establish a production company whilst he was an actor, which his own production company, which very few people did at that time. And so he produced a 
lot of his own movies like Paths of Glory, Lust for Life and Spartacus. He produced Spartacus. Did he? Yeah, because yeah. the Spartacus was the one I instantly remembered yeah. and it's the one that everybody seems to be of talking about. Of course, he about. ended up making a huge amount of money uh, as well as, you know, putting himself... So he himself, was clever. He, he was, was clever, clever and put yeah. himself, uh, of course, in the leading roles and of course, yeah. and, they were, and they were great movies as well, you know. And he's the last really of that era, isn't he? Because he was 103. 103 is extraordinary, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. No, yeah that's, that is amazing. Yeah, I mean, one of the first... He made a lot of Westerns and especially with uh, Burt Lancaster and everybody thought they were great friends but actually deep down they weren't. They were actually very, very competitive with each other and they both admitted that basically they respected each other but they weren't really friends but they made these great movies right up to 1985. I went to the cinema to see a film called Tough Guys that they made. Uh, you know, they were into their 80s I think at this stage. Oh, they, that would be right, 70s. Well, they were in their 70s. Yeah, well in their 70s. And, yeah. uh, it was great and I loved it, you know what I mean? So he did make a lot of very good uh, movies. The one movie that got away from him of course was One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest because uh, he saw the script to that and said I want to make this but it took him so long to try and make it that his, his son Michael took over the production duties of the film Michael Douglas then realised that Kirk was actually too old for the part of Mac Murphy ah, gave it to Jack Nicholson ah, and I, I think, did not know that and I think Kirk says that it's the only time him and Michael have ever had kind of Falling difficulty out. in their relationship and yeah. he would have been great a younger Kirk Douglas would have been great but then hard to beat Jack Nicholson and the pl- Exactly. I think he yeah. would have been fine. Why not make yeah. him a bit older? You know, yeah, but, uh, yeah, yeah. He could yeah. have, yeah. Anyway. Oh, well, didn't realise that. That's a great story. But you're okay. right. One of the great stars of Hollywood. Gone, yeah, yeah, he's gone. Okay, now you went to the movies this week to see Bad Boys for Life and then on uh, DVD it's Hustlers and we have a trailer of Bad Boys. Hi! Oh, that is hand-stitched leather. You better drink it. We ride this thing till the wheels fall off. Bad Boys for Life. Okay, we've got a bit of laughing going on, so it is comedy. Who? How bad are these bad boys? Uh, in the past, they were much better, but now, of course, right. they're a little bit more kind of... Uh, They've softened. Exactly, yeah, because when they first started making the bad boy movies 25, 30 years ago, whenever it was, I mean, they were young, you know, and uh, a lot of shooting. Of course, those movies were directed by Michael Bay, who, of course, used to create all this, what's called Bayhem, so you had lots of car crashes, you know, they were a bit sleazy, unfortunately, you know, the way in which Michael Bay directed women, so lots of uh, car crashes and action sequences. Here, they're now in their 50s, and uh, and they're a little bit older. Little Same bit, cast? A little bit greyer. Well, the same two boys uh, Will are, Smith uh, Will Smith and Martin Lawrence you know, yeah. who, the, at least the one thing about, I mean you haven't seen the previous two no, movies no yeah. no no they wouldn't be on my radar at all yeah, and there weren't movies I particularly liked very much and I remember going to see the first one and I remember thinking do I want to watch Martin Lawrence and Will Smith shout at each other for two hours you know in a Michael Bay film and I just thought and, and that's actually what happened you know I didn't particularly like them very much and I didn't particularly like the fact that they were directed by Michael Bay this isn't this, is, this one is directed uh, by uh, two Belgian directors who have kind of taken a more so, kind of softened approach and a less sleazy uh, approach to this. Okay. And actually, there's much more character development in this than there actually is in the other films. So we have these two characters who are obviously very, very good friends. Uh, Martin Lawrence did not want to make this movie for a very long time because um, he had basically gone into retirement. But Will Smith had to kind of, you know, persuade, persuade him. him to come out. And he actually did. And and then and it's good to see them. You know, Martin Lawrence is a little bit heavier uh, than he used to be in the old days. And so, there's, you know, there's, um, there's a really fine sequence where uh, he doesn't wear his glasses. And so he has no idea what he's doing or, you know, 
know. At one stage, <laughs> at one stage, Will Smith throws a gun at him and he doesn't see it. And he says, he says put on your glasses. And when he puts on his glasses, he's like, these are like HD. I can see what I'm doing. And all he starts shouting. <laughs> so it's, it's very funny. The two of them obviously are great pals, you know, and there's great charisma and chemistry between them. And I think, you know, the film is very, very different than the Michael Bay films, who does make an appearance actually very early on in this film. Although there are occasions when I think the directors decide we'd pay tribute to Michael Bay with very similar scenes that we've seen in kind of previous films before that. And so there's more character development here, and especially with the bad guy. I mean, the bad guy, actually, we actually get to know him. And and it's his mum who's in this film who's really the driving force behind this, even though he's the kind of vicious leader of a kind of a Mexican drug cartel. Um, you know, you get to understand why he's kind of the way he is and, and why he's doing uh, what he's doing. Even though, you know, you can understand his anger, but you don't in any way uh, condone it in any way, shape or form. I mean, there are moments, mind you, of shocking kind of violence, which did kind of catch me. Oh, surprise. is there? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And if, I, if there is something that's kind of really let down here is that there's way too much CGI and bad CGI, you know. When, when that's not needed. When it could have been practical, they could have done it for real. Do you know what I mean? Because the money, we knew it was going to make huge amounts of money. They had a big budget and it has done very, very well indeed. But it has that kind of look and feel of the kind of Fast and Furious movies where they feel as though the action has got to go almost to a kind of a ridiculous level and it does that every now and then but uh, well, the, the best part of it is the two boys and like uh, they are having a good time and you know they are the, the script at times can let them down a little bit but when it's funny it's it's really funny and some of the action sequences are actually not bad okay, and I, I, I'm a huge fan of Will Smith are you a fan of Will Smith? Uh, oh big time yeah, yeah, yeah I mean Martin Lawrence not so much in the past because he's made some terrible movies but he, yeah. but he especially is very good here is he? okay yeah. alright so it's uh, Bad Boys for Life Mark I think it's gotten very, very good reviews, mind you, by people like me as well, because it's not as bad as you expected it to yeah, be. So yeah. I'll give it a eight. We'll give eight it out of ten. Yeah. Eight out of ten. OK, and that's in the movies at the moment. Now, on DVD, you've got a movie called Hustler that's described as a comedy crime drama. And there's a lot of very good looking women on the front of the poster. Um, They're all hustlers, I'm assuming. But yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Scantily clad. Um, it's directed by a woman, so there's okay. actually no nudity in the film, apart from the bit for which concerns a man, which is fine by me. Okay. Uh, this is the one with Jennifer Lopez that everybody used to talk was talking about prior kind of to the Oscar nominations, and everybody asked why oh. she why she wasn't there. Yeah. Uh, it's based kind of on a true true story, a magazine article in uh, in, uh, in New York Magazine, and uh, Jennifer Lopez plays this character called Ramona, who along with um, a group of strip club employees are having a good time. You know, mid nineties. They're making a lot of money. A lot of Wall Street employees are coming in, and they have loads of money to spend. And then the crash happens, and therefore, then all the the um, the, the girls and women realize, you know, there's there's not much money out there anymore. So where do they, we they, go now? So where do we? What do we do now? So what they decide to do with with the clients from Wall Street who are still coming in, who still have some money, they decide, well, we'll drug them. That's what we'll do, and we will max out their credit cards. So and this okay. is, you know, and Jennifer Lopez at one stage says, look, they, these guys are crooks. You know what I mean? That's They're, like turning know. the tables on the clients. Exactly. Yeah. yeah but okay. of course. That's completely unacceptable because you can't do that because these are real people, no matter how bad we think they are. So there's kind of kind of references kind of the Wolf of Wall Street and that whole kind of thing. And then, of course, there are consequences to what they do. But for the first, uh, you know, first half of the film, there's, uh, you know, it kind of sets itself up and uh, and there's a lot of. Uh, pole dancing sequences there are okay. with uh, Jennifer Lopez who at 50 is extraordinary uh, you should see what she's able to do uh, Cardi B also makes an appearance in this film what's interesting is that Cardi B in the past has admitted to drugging and robbing men in fact oh. uh, in the early stages of her career when she was a stripper actually she she does that and she makes an appearance in this as well the problem with it I think is that um, it was shot very quickly it was shot in 29 days very small budget and at times I think you can see that there are times when it looks a bit uh, you know kind of sh- shoddily done and, uh, but 
but some of the sequences I think obviously the director kind of took some time over it's a woman director so therefore it's not leery in any way shape or form we do get to know these women we do get to like the women even though we don't kind of also like uh, the, the bad guy in Bad Boys we don't condone in any way shape or form uh, you know what they do and um, yeah Jennifer Lopez is great she really is yeah and uh, Jennifer Lopez of course she was on the with um, the Super Bowl she did the she did the halftime show yeah oh, I mean the woman is 50 she's just incredible yeah she looks amazing yeah. and that comes across obviously as you say in this movie as well exactly yeah and yeah. she is the star every time she's on screen the whole screen lights up and uh, she is absolutely terrific in the end yeah I look it's a bit messy at times it doesn't quite work at times it seems padded at times where there are scenes where you know when they're drugging the uh, the Wall Street guys and they're doing it over and over and over again that could have been cut I think and it would have been nice to have seen more in the way of kind of a, a more a, a a consequence to their actions, you know, and and a kind of a deeper, darker kind of look to it. But it has that kind of ocean mark, sort of an Ocean's Eleven's kind of look okay, and feel yeah, to it. And, yeah. and obviously, the director just wanted to kind of have that kind of hip and cool kind of uh, feel to it, which is a bit of a shame. But uh, look, for all enjoyable. that, because of that, it's a, it's an enjoyable film. Okay, yeah. mark it out of ten. Uh, seven. Seven out of ten. Okay, that's Hustlers, and you can get that on DVD or on streaming. Thank you for that, Mark. Have a lovely week, and uh, we'll talk again next week. That's uh, Mark Malone, our movie reviewer. We'll wrap up some of your texts and calls coming in Audrey listening to Rose who wrote to us 15 years working in a private nursing home never had a pay increase sounds very loving and caring to the residents and just cannot understand how she's not able to get a pay rise can't bring a union in because her employer won't recognise a union Audrey says listening to that email about the private nursing home private nursing homes are able to charge enough so it sounds to me like Rose is being exploited particularly for the amount of hard work that she outlined in her email that she is actually doing. Ellen in Connor says private nursing homes are a business and like any businesses they're not too keen to give pay rises to staff. It's dreadful to see people working so hard in nursing homes and not getting pay rises. So I'm, trying, I'm trying to get to, to do a bit of research on this over the weekend. Is that legal? Can you work? Can, can you employ an employee for 15 years and not give them a pay rise. There's got to be labour laws there governing employees. And uh, Gary says, the owner of that nursing home might be trying to get rid of Rose, but in order to do so, it would cost the nursing home so much money because obviously she's a good worker. They can't just get rid of her. And so maybe that's why they haven't given her a pay increase. They're hoping she will leave rather than them sacking her. That would make sense if she was only in the job a year or so she's there 15 years so I, do, I don't think I really don't think that that's what's uh, going on in this uh, particular case and then on the TV licence hi Patricia just listening to you on about the TV licence the inspectors come regularly to me and ask to see my TV licence and I have one why don't they update their computer records uh, I wonder and not bother innocent bill payers I'm, I never realised that I thought you'd only get a knock at the door if the computer said that you didn't have one well not so according to this listener she said the inspector's call and she has to show them their TV licence it is feel good Friday Nick Richards is up next turning up the feel good with these tunes
That's Nick Richards from one, Martina from four with Feel Good Friday. That's where we leave you for today. Thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Talk to you on Monday. Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Call and collect or get seven day delivery for those cosy nights in. Lowcostfuel.ie. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.